Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Building with Brick. Our podcast today is with Bill O'Connor. Billy is the winningest basketball coach in Rockhurst University history. And that's saying something because they've had just a great tradition of basketball at Rockhurst College and then Rockhurst University. He, while he was there, he was coach of the year in a couple of different conferences. They had moved from uh, one conference to another and he was good enough to be the best in both of those conferences a couple of different times. His team's qualified for the NCAA tournament. Rockhurst University is Division II NCAA school. He's coached at all levels. He's been high school, been JUCO, been small college. He's been major college. So he's got a just vast amount of information and uh, knowledge from all the different levels. And, and finally, last thing I'll tell you about Billy before uh, we get into this is that he was inducted into the Greater Kansas City Basketball Coaches Hall of Fame in 2019, which is really something. Uh, he's been coaching now for, I, th I think you coached 42 years officially, got paid, I guess, for 42 years of coaching. But uh, with that, Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here. Billy, you and I go way back, not quite back to your, your youth, but uh, you were probably 18 years old when we first met. I was probably 20 because I was a couple years ahead of you at Benedict's. You, you came in as a freshman, this long, gangly guy that was uh, a big bone, physical, good basketball player and used to beat the hell out of me in practice every day. <laughs> You've got a little faulty memory there, but uh, I do remember that the coaches, Coach uh, Nolan, Coach Caldwell said, you know, Connor, if you're going to play, you're going to have to be a guard. And I, so I had to figure all that out. And you and Scott Carlin and others were the guys I watched to try to figure out if I'm going to figure this thing out, learn to play that spot, I better watch those guys. You know, that, that kind of shows just your competitive nature. Now, and I ask this to almost every guest I have, where does your competitive nature come from? You know, mine was my older brother. He's about four years older and about my size. We used to play all the time, everything. You know, it didn't matter if it was cards or what have you. And it was just competitive as hell all the time. Where'd yours come from? Well, part of it was that there were eight, I had eight brothers and sisters, seven other brothers and sisters besides myself. So it was, it was competitive from the get-go. But on our block in Kansas City, we had probably, if you can believe this, somewhere between 50 to 60 kids between the ages of 8 to 18. So there was always a game, always, whether it be street football, basketball, distance and wiffle ball or baseball. 
I just started playing a little bit more basketball and really enjoyed playing it and thought, you know, if I could get good at this, this would be, this would be fun. And uh, so there was always a game around and you all, I had two older brothers also a little bit similar to your situation. And then there was just competition all the time on the block. So we were constantly doing something outdoors involving a ball, whether it was a basket, a football or a wiffle ball or whatever. Number of the people that I've interviewed had very similar situations with you played with your neighbors, you know, your friends and your neighbors, and you were probably in an Irish Catholic neighborhood is my guess. If you had 50 or 60 kids, I know you were, <laughs> you know, Billy, they don't, that, that's not the situation anymore, is it? No, I drive down around town and uh, Joe, I see some of the best outdoor goals I've ever seen in my life. We'd have just killed to have a goal that we can see three or four on every block and nobody's out there shooting. Now, it could be a combination of things, but I'm sure that today's younger athlete is more uh, involved with families finding games for them rather than the young person going and finding the game for themselves. It's rare that you see somebody who is outdoors on their own seeking to get better and finding competition. And if you do, watch that kid. He's probably going to be pretty good. I was going to say, what do you think that's done to the competitive nature of today's players? Well, a couple of things come into play. Number one, today's kid has so many different things they can do now. So back in our day, playing a, a competitive game or getting involved in sports was kind of pretty basic to what the only thing on the block to do. Today, of course, with the internet and with all kinds of different options, kids have all kinds of varieties of things they can do. Of note, though, I think kids are finding out earlier that they don't want to play sports. And so they go pursue other interests. And therefore, the people who stay in it are the ones who feel like they've been somewhat successful. So I've seen a real drop off in some forms of participation. And I think that I don't know if that's good or bad. I a, it's good that you go do what you want to do, but B, I think some kids may, might give up participating a little too soon. Too, too early. Yeah. yeah. When did you know you wanted to be a basketball player? Well, I'll tell you, this is, uh, I got cut when I was in seventh grade from the St. Peter's seventh and eighth grade team. It was a very good team. Two or three kids end up playing at Hogan and a couple more played at Rockhurst High School, which were both Catholic high schools at the time. And I didn't make the team. I thought, gosh darn, I want to make that team. And, and I just kept playing with the same guys who did make it. So from there on in, about seventh grade, I thought, you know what? I want to get after this a little bit. So sometimes your best break is experiencing some failure. That's a good point. So you must have gotten pretty good pretty quickly because you went to Rockhurst. And Rockhurst is, I don't know how many boys were there now. And it's a very large all-boys school. And you... I don't know at what point you started making the team, but by the time you were a junior and senior, you were a varsity player and starter and what have you. So tell us a little bit about how that evolved. Well, a couple of things on that, and it, part of this is going to sound a little self-serving. I went back out freshman year at Rockers, and I got cut again. And it got down to they only kept 12 guys at the time, and there's probably about 75 or 80 that went out. But I had already cased the city as to who I had to beat out. I mean, I had it down. I knew, I knew, you know, this guy from Guardian Angels or that guy from St. Elizabeth's or whatever and got down to the last cut, didn't make the team. And I was really disappointed, 
But my mom, you know, she just said, hey, did you make it? I said, no. She, she's got seven other kids besides me. So she didn't, you know, let's get on with it. So I thought, you know, that's fine. Having said that, I went up to the football guy, coach, and said, hey, uh, if I play next year, can I catch it or throw it? And he said, oh, no, no, no. You're going to be an offensive lineman. You're going to be a, a good offensive lineman. I said, thank you very much. I said, that's it. I am going to get a lot better at basketball. <laughs> and uh, I made the sophomore team. And at the end of that year, got to play with the JV, which is another story. And then junior year, got to play and was not a starter, but got to play. And then senior year was a starter on a team that got to be number one in the city. So that all went that way. The other side of that story I'll give to you right away. When you think about when did I want to or decided that I might want to coach. It was when I was a junior in high school and I was sitting on the bench watching a varsity game and watching our varsity coach coach. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, I think I could do this. And I love the way he does it. And this is something I might want to do. So that was that. Who was your coach? Our, my, I was so lucky. <clears throat> my, guy, my head coach was a guy by the name of Marion Nickel. Oh, yeah, Marion Nickel. Yeah. Tremendous Marian, coach. Uh, with tremendous, he's uh, he's tremendous coach, tremendous human being. He he came in. Part of the luck of me was he he took over my sophomore year, so it was a clean slate for everybody. That's nice. Uh, and if, if you want to try out, try out again and give it your best shot. And I got I was fortunate enough to make it, and went on from there. And but I the more fortunate thing, and I mean this, is I got three years of playing under him. He was just he's a great human being, and he was a tremendous basketball coach. Well, that, that's something. What, what's an example of something that he did that drew you in? Coach Nickel radiated a sense of complete sincerity. And that mm -hmm. sounds a little odd when you're talking about basketball. Mm -hmm. But when he talked to you about the game, he truly listened to you. And then he would tell you what he believed that should be done. And he established a sense of uh, sincerity, caring, put whatever word you want in there that the players responded to. And I know in our class, there's not a guy in that on that team that wouldn't you know, run through a wall for him because he was just such a, a genuine human being who happened to be a really, really good coach. And mm. that's, so, that's what radiated for me. That's interesting. So you uh, finished up, got your degree at Rockhurst and what happened then? How'd you get to St. Benedict's? Well, Coach Nickel, Coach Nichols said to me at the end of the year, what are you thinking about doing? And I said, well, I'd like to keep playing if I could. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you can go visit uh, Sacred Heart in Wichita has called and would like you to make a visit. And I thought, oh, a visit? Wow, this is it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, went down and uh, met a guy by the name of Coach Backrot, Herm Backrot, and he was the Sacred Heart guy and, and, and got the program up and running. And got them pretty good. Sacred Heart today is Newman. So Newman University in Wichita was Sacred Heart. Coach eventually went into, got the opportunity to acquire a couple of pizza huts and the rest is history. He went on and lived a very good life. But went down there for a trip and, and stayed overnight and played and did this and that. And subsequently they made an offer. It wasn't full by any stretch. But they did make an offer. But I, just, I wanted to go to, I thought I really wanted to go someplace that was a little bit more established. And I mm -hmm. thought that Benedict's could be an opportunity. And so Benedict's was my next choice. Ultimately went up to St. Benedict's and the rest is kind of history. 
Tell me about that visit, because I think I know a little bit about it. Um. Oh, gosh, darn, Joe, I wish you hadn't. Uh, I was invited up by uh, the work of Coach Nickel. He got everything set up. And uh, I was going to go up on a Saturday morning and play. And I went up on that Saturday morning, and they'd rescheduled a baseball doubleheader. And the coaches had to take care of baseball first. So the, tri the tryout just got shoved totally in the background. So I drove up there and met a lot of nice people, never shot, never <laughs> shot a basketball, never, you know, never guarded a soul and went back home. Tell you this, I had a chance. I could have gone to Notre Dame. And I think I would have gotten in, even with my rather sketchy academic record, but I think I would have gotten in. But I really wanted to play basketball and go to school. Mm -hmm. And so I made the tough decision. So I'm going to go back up there and show them they made a mistake. That's kind of the background of this whole deal. So you came back home, no offer. You just decided I'm going to enroll at St. Benedict's. And you could have been yes. a, a student at Notre Dame and you probably could have gone down and played at Sacred Heart, at least as a walk-on, if nothing else. But you just decided you were going to roll the dice and yeah, go to Benedict's. I sound like I'm <laughs> such a good player here. I had, I, Sacred, Heart, Sacred Heart did make a scholarship offer. So it would have covered... X amount, probably about half of what they would have charged. Oh, uh, Notre Dame, of course, we'd have to foot the bill, but but it's Notre Dame, and my two brothers had gone there. My dad went there. I mean, this is an Irish family. But Benedict's, I had nine or ten classmates from Rockers going there. Two or three of my guys I played with were going to Regis and other colleges to play, and I thought, gosh darn, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show I can play, mm -hmm. and so. I went to Benedict's, which was a very fine school. There's nothing about that. It was just a matter of, I had no guarantee that I'd make that team. Right. I had to show that and prove it. And, and how that happened. I know they used to have open workouts for people who had, were not on scholarship. Is that, did you go through that process? We did. Uh, we played a lot of fall basketball and a lot of, uh, you know, competitive uh, games. But then when it came time for the tryouts, there was probably about 20, 25 guys. Believe it or not, that sounds like a remarkably high number. But there was a kid from New Jersey and myself. And we got out and played, and we probably played about 15 minutes. And it was either Tony or somebody came up and said, you two, you go over here, you're done. And they pulled us out of it and said, you don't need to play anymore. You go over there. And you so think that was good or bad? Knew, yeah, we kind of knew that's a good thing. Oh, and, okay. uh, uh, so this kid from, well, I can't remember his name now, I should remember it. He was a good little guard. And then, uh, so, but the two of us moved out and nobody else made the team from there. That, I mean, they eventually had four or five or six of them possibly be part of the JV. Hmm. But, uh, but they got us out of there the first day. We didn't have to go through any more of that. All right. So, so then you made the team. Now, you're coming in as a freshman. I'm trying to think what, who, who was there at the time, I guess. Did you come in with Chick Downing and Jay Williams and those guys? What a class. Chick, wow. Jay, Bobby Kolich, Dave Baltuska. Uh, those were guys who were scholarship players, but all four of them were good players from Kansas City. And uh, I was the kid from Rock High, but that was all right. I don't think uh, David might have played a little bit of JV. Uh, I don't think Bobby ever did, and certainly not Chick and Jay. Uh, right. But but that was our class, and that was a very very good class. That was an excellent uh, recruiting class. 
so I was part of that deal and uh, I got lucky enough to play with Chick for four years. And as I would tell Bob Coach, uh, if I'd have stayed around like he did, I could have played with him for six years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, but, it was uh, interestingly we uh, we had just lost five seniors, and so you came in when we were having to basically find really good players to take the place of some really great players. And so I was kind of the transition, one of the guys in the transition between playing with those great players, and then uh, my junior year, I have, you know, we didn't have any seniors on the team at all, none. So there were a couple of us juniors who had played the sophomores with the great seniors from the year before. And now we're facing a situation where we have all these new faces and they're young, just young. It was a challenge, but at the same time, the quality of those players was such a high level. I mean, Chick was drafted by the Knicks. You know, Colich was, Colich was All-State. Jay Williams was All-State. Chick was All-State and All-American. I mean, they were just great, talented players. So that transition was pretty easy. I mean, everybody well, I, everybody thought Benedict's was going to have a down year, and we ended up still being ranked the number one team in Kansas of the 24 colleges there. So you were in with some great, great players. Yeah, as an aside on that, I played against Bobby and uh, David and Jay for two years. So I saw them on four or five occasions where we directly played against their teams. Now we did pretty good too, I might add, but that's another matter. We'll get to that later. But on a serious nature, you could tell how good they were. Bob Kolsch, Jay Williams, Dave Baltuska were all quality basketball players and quality people. And so when they ended up at Benedict's, Benedict's had done a great job of going out and finding talent that was relatively close to home. Oh, amazing. Uh, all those guys within 60 miles amazing. and they could all play. Getting Chick was the, probably the biggest coup ever. I mean, Chick was an All-American. He could have gone anywhere he wanted to. I mean, that, that's how good he was in basketball, and that probably wasn't his best sport. I know he had a football scholarship to Nebraska, and he made a living playing slow-pitch softball. He could hit the ball so far. It was unbelievable. So he's a heck of a baseball yeah. player, too. So getting him to stay home in Atchison and come up to school for us, was it, it was a coup. And what a great yeah. player he was. Tremendous, tremendous player. And uh, to play with him for four years, I mean, you could, if you got the ball to him, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get an assist because he could really play. <laughs> he could. I'll, I'll tell one quick story before we have to take a break. But the year before, one of the seniors, Vince DeGrieff, who is one of our All-Americans and just a great friend, a great player. But he said to me, he said, you know, Joe, he says, I don't want to be negative or anything, but I don't see you guys winning more than six games next year. And I said, well, I don't think so. I think I don't care who we recruit. We're not going to only win six games because, I mean, we're winning 27, 21 and national titles and all that stuff. And I, no, no, we're going to continue to, to be a, a good team. Well, we come out of the box six and one with all those freshmen playing. And one of the teams we beat was Washburn who had beaten our super seniors the year before in the district championship, keeping us from being able to go to the national tournament to defend our title. And Chick, in that game against Washburn, had 18 points and 19 rebounds. Now, this is a freshman against, and, and Washburn had their entire team back. I mean, from the team that beat us the year before. And we, we beat them by six or eight. 
And that was the game that our friend Scotty Carlin <laughs> got fouled at the buzzer. And we're up by four or six at the time. And he goes to the line. He's a right-handed shooter. He goes to the line and shoots two left-handers and hit them both. <laughs> you know, those guys from Washington were so angry. Oh, they were so angry. That was uh, Carlin. That was Carlin. Good Scott. Gosh, what a great, what a great person and a tremendous player. Very tremendous player. He was. He was a year behind me. He uh, he came from Ohio also, and I just loved playing with him. It was like your twin. He always knew where I was. I always knew where he was. And unfortunately, about well, we were six and one, and he was starting. And then about the seventh or eighth, ninth game, something like that, something went wrong and he and the head coach just didn't see eye to eye and he didn't see the court again for a year and a half. So I didn't get a chance to play with him at all after that, which was just a shame. I mean, we were, like I say, we were like twins. I always knew where he was. He always knew where I was. And he was a tremendous player. An interesting aside on that was, with that lack of playing time going that way with Scotty, I ended up being around him more because we would, in practice, you know, and after practice, we would get together and play one-on-one and do different stuff. And I, you know, you just pick up stuff when you're around really good players. Mm -hmm. and, and playing with him and around him, he, he helped me. And he was a great, great kid at the time. So it was a lot of fun, but I, I'm with you. He's uh, He was a very, very talented player, and I would have suggested that had he played more, the team would have been even better oh, yeah. because he, he, he had that ability to make his teammates look better. Well, he was just a great – he had great vision. His passing was outstanding. I mean, if you were open, you were going to get it, and you were going to get it someplace where you could actually do something with it. Yeah. You could catch and shoot or whatever it was. But his eyes – I mean, he had eyes in the back of his head. He was just a tremendous passer and play with a lot of confidence. He could score, but he didn't try to score too much. It was just he loved the game. If I could do anything you know, over again, I'd just love to be able to play my last two years with Scotty as my uh, as I don't blame starter. you. I, I don't blame you, but he always left you with the impression that if a play needed to be made, he somehow would have made it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's pretty darn – that's high praise. Yeah, that's true. Well, Billy – we probably need to take a, a break here. And uh, when we come back, I want to get into the coaching side of this thing. You said Marion Nickel was uh, an influence to you. And I'd like, I'd like to also hear about maybe some of the other coaches who had a real influence on you because you had a great career. Uh, and that doesn't happen by accident. Usually there's some role models along the way. So right. when we come back, let's get into that. Very good. Thank All you. Right. 